0: Hi there. Thanks for joining our podcast at Renew Church OC, a church for imperfect people only. I'm Pastor Wilson. We're continuing our how-to series in James with our news segment, How to Think Differently. It's easy to have our secular culture and media dictate how we think, but God wants us to think differently than our society, even if we end up with the same values or applications. 2020 has been a confusing year in so many major aspects of life but i'm thankful that james was written as wisdom literature and designed to help us think differently finally we have a few links that i'd love for you to check out on the description page if you want to support our church there's a paypal link there but mostly we love to connect with you so fill out a google form or join a live watch party When we're premiering our sermon on Facebook, Sundays at 1030. Lastly, I'm seeing podcast listeners from all over the world, like Canada, Russia, Australia, and Ireland. Send me an email at wilson at RenewChurchOC.com, and I'd love to talk with you and hear your story. Hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Good morning Renew Church, it's really sad not to be able to see you this morning, but I know you guys are here, and uh, I want to give you the Word of God. So if you take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3, and uh, we're going to start with an old Chinese parable that I love to tell. It's about a wise man who lived in a small, obscure village, and people would come from all over China to ask him questions and to hear his wisdom. Now there was a little boy who lived in that same village, and he would come every day to test this wise man. Every day, without fail, he would come with something hidden in his hands. And he would say to him, old man, what do I have in my hands today? The old sage would stroke his beard, and he would always say what he had in his hand. You have a rock in your hand. Or, little boy, you have a plant in your hand. Or, you have a flower in your hand. He always seemed to know. Well, one day after a storm, this boy found a bird's nest blown into the road. And it had a baby bird inside. Immediately, the little boy excitedly picked up that little bird, and he went to go test this wise old man, thinking to himself, he will never figure out that I have a bird in my hands. But as he walked a little farther, he started thinking, this wise man always seems to know. And so he came up with a perfect foolproof plan. He said, if he figures out that I have a bird, then I'll ask him, is it alive or is it dead? If he says it's dead, then I'll open my hand and prove him wrong. But if he says it's alive, then I'm going to smush it. Really good kid. Well, this boy actually went to the old sage. And he, he asked him, what do I have in my hands today? The old man thought for a moment. And he looked at him and he said, you have a little bird in your hand, don't you? Well, the boy was astonished, but not skipping a beat. He said, well, then tell me if you're so wise, old man, is this bird alive or is it dead? Now, the wise man looked deeply into the boy's eyes and he said these words, the life of that bird is in your hands. Only you can choose whether it lives or whether it dies. What a beautiful answer. The life of the bird is in your hands. And only you can choose whether it lives or whether it dies. You know, I love this story because this is a perfect picture of wisdom. Wisdom is all about choosing. It's what you choose that determines life or death. It's what you choose that determines success or failure. How you choose in the area of joy or sadness is what it will become. You know, choosing... In life brings either peace or it'll bring regret. This morning, we want to look at the subject of wisdom. And that is our theme today in James chapter 3. Now, if you're taking notes, we want to ask, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is the skill to understand and apply the realities of life. So wisdom is a skill. It's being competent with regards to life's realities. You see, in life, you're going to come to forks in the road where you're going to have to choose which way to go. And the longer I live, the more I realize that life really is about the choices you make and what you decide, the way you choose affects the big and small stuff of life. And that's why wisdom is so important. Wisdom is the skill to make the right choices, is to decide the right way to go. You know, in the wisdom literature, in Proverbs chapter 4, the wise man counsels in verse 5 through 9, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Cherish her her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will be a garland of grace to your head and present you with a glorious crown. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. You see the wise man counsels that wisdom will protect you. It'll watch over you. It'll exalt you. It'll honor you. It'll be a garland of grace and a glorious crown to help you to succeed in life. You know, in our study this morning, James explains how important genuine wisdom is, how necessary it is for our lives as Christians. So let's look at the text this morning in verse 13. It starts off by saying, Who is wise and understanding among you? I want to stop right there. James is addressing Jewish Christians in the first century. I've shared this before in other messages. Uh, In James that here he's speaking to believers who are Jewish. Now they had been taught since early childhood in the synagogues how important it was to live a life of wisdom. From their childhood they understood that their desire should be a rich, meaningful, godly life that is praiseworthy and that brings God great honor. And that's what they wanted. More than anything, they wanted to be successful at life. And when you think about it, that's how all of us want to live as well, don't we? We all want to live a successful life. We who live in the 21st century share in the same desires with our first century brothers and sisters. You know, during this time of covid Uh, during this time when we've been isolated i have to admit the more the weeks go on the more i miss the people at renew church i don't get to see your faces all the time i don't think i've seen any young adults outside of the people in this uh, room when we record and so i really miss you guys and i really think about you know what you're doing and i even think about your future Uh, i just got a uh, invitation a wedding invitation from tim and megan And uh, love the wedding uh, invitation of course I'll be there but when I got that I started wondering you know uh, how their wedding plans are going what kind of house they're gonna live in right what kind of kids they're gonna have they're gonna have beautiful kids I know it right but what are they gonna look like or who is Tiki gonna marry she loves k-pop she loves k-dramas is she gonna marry a Korean guy if so let me be the matchmaker I'll help you with that right or you know I think of our Brazilian families, the Alves family and the Terenzi family, and I really miss um, their encouragement and um, just the way that they are, and I wonder how they're doing with their families in Brazil, and uh, I hope they're doing well. You know, I think about uh, Tommy and Joanna's kids, and I wonder, you know, what Jacob's going to look like when he becomes a teenager, what TJ's going to be like when he becomes a man. Uh, I ask myself, will Chris G become a Muay Thai champion someday? I watch his Facebook, and I see this beast, right, uh, fighting and doing all these championships. I wonder, you know, how he's doing with, uh, with that hobby that he has or what will kevin leong look like in 30 years right he's still gonna probably be good looking but he's gonna look a little older he's gonna gain some weight he's gonna lose some hair you know you never know and i start thinking about what will the future look like for these uh, brothers and sisters at Renew church and then i start thinking about how will i turn out at the end of my days have you ever thought about that what am i going to look like uh, towards the end of my days Will I age gracefully or will I look unhealthy because of the choices that I've made? Will I be loved and admired or will I be hardly remembered? Am I going to be spiritually mature or am I going to be weak and immature? Will people seek me out for advice or will I become some blabbering fool? Am I going to look back at a happy, satisfied life or will I realize an empty, disappointing existence? You know, we all want a successful life, and all of us desire to make the, the right choices, the wise choices that will bring a successful life. And so here James exhorts Christians on how to have the right perspective on wisdom, how to approach wisdom in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three exhortations. Really, that's all we're going to do. We're going to look at three exhortations, and then we'll be done. The first exhortation is that wisdom manifests itself in actions. Wisdom manifests itself in actions. So the exhortation is do wisdom. Let's look in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. The first thing James tells us is that wisdom is not about just acquiring knowledge. You know, in our culture, when we think of a wise man, we think of some sage isolated in a mountain somewhere, who all he does is he prays and he meditates and he thinks about big thoughts, and he's so far away from civilization that anyone who wants wisdom needs to actually climb a mountain to get to him. Or we think of some uh, genius uh, scholar Uh, cloistered in some ivory tower somewhere, who's uh, reading books or uh, working in his lab uh, without anybody else, just acquiring knowledge after facts, after information. But you know, the Bible teaches us very differently from these presupposed ideas, because God does not put a premium on knowledge. I know it's pretty shocking maybe to hear that, but God does not put a premium on knowledge. You see, wisdom is not about how many facts we find or how many truths we can acquire. God puts a premium rather on what we do with the knowledge that we have. That's wisdom, what we choose, actions, deeds. I don't know if you remember, but a few weeks ago we studied in James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 uh, something that I believe is very important. And uh, it, it's good for us to, to kind of review this even now. James says to his Jewish audience, you believe that there is one God. And he's referring to knowledge and facts and truth. He says, you believe that there's one God. And then he sarcastically says, well, good for you. Even the demons believe that. What James is saying is demons have an unbelievable knowledge of facts of theology but it doesn't change their lives and that's the point you can have all of these facts you can have all this knowledge without having a transformed life and then James goes on to say show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds you see James is exhorting us to show that which we have so faith Show wisdom in the live in our lives By our deeds. So the first exhortation, let me even put it this way wisdom is not a bunch of facts that you know, wisdom is rather a beautiful life that you show. I came up with that. I think it's really good. So let me say that again. Wisdom is not a bunch of facts that you know, wisdom is rather a beautiful life that you show. The second exhortation is that wisdom manifests itself in motives wisdom manifests itself in motives so the exhortation is check wisdom let's look in verse 14 but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth james is saying what is your motivation for choosing what you choose what is your motivation for doing what you do and he cautions that if your motives are either one of these two things in verse 14 you deny the truth about wisdom. Well, number one thing, right in verse 14, is bitter envy. That word actually means a self-centered desire to be popular, to gain fame and fortune, to gain accolades for yourself. You see others adored and respected and rewarded, and you jealously want that for yourself. So you say bitter envy. Another one is selfish ambition, and that word means a selfish desire to be powerful. It has the idea of a political candidate. As a matter of fact, the political elections are going on, and we know the election for president is around the corner, but we also know that there's several local elections as well. And we know that because you probably get all of these brochures about who to vote for, what what proposition to vote for, and it's just an endless stream of politicians giving stump speeches and attack ads on everybody, right? And you get a sense that they'll do anything or say anything to get elected. I mean, do any of us truly uh, trust politicians? I don't think we do. And so a political candidate, we get the idea, wants to gain power, and they'll do it through manipulation or any means necessary. That's the word for selfish ambition this desire to be powerful. Now you might say, well, Pastor Dave, I definitely don't operate by any of those two motivations. My motives are pure. Well, James is saying, check your motives because it's easy to slip into selfishness. It's easy to slip into pride. Let me ask you this, how do you behave when you're finally given that dream job and you have all the rights and powers over people? over all these people. What do you do when you and your colleague are the finalists for that promotion that you've always wanted? How do you feel when someone on social media that you know gets more likes or shares or follows than you do? How do you act to someone who can help your career over against someone who's in position lower than you and can't help you at all? You see, the motives that we have are very important when we're discussing wisdom. Why does James say that you deny the truth about wisdom if you operate within these particular motivations? Well, let's look in verse 15. It says such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Remember the Jewish these are Jewish Christians. They've been taught the wisdom books of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon all their lives. They know that wisdom always comes from above. They've been taught that wisdom is the breath of God, that wisdom proceeds from the mouth of God, that wisdom sits by the throne of God, that wisdom is his servant, it's his master builder from the foundations of the world, and that God is the only one who can truly give wisdom, and he gives it as a gift. We know in James chapter 1, Pastor Wilson shared this a while back, where he echoes the Jewish understanding of wisdom, and he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives generously. Verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So, when James says that this wisdom doesn't come from above, then these Jewish people know that James is referring to something that's not genuine. It's counterfeit. It's fake. It's a false wisdom. And so when you operate this way, you deny the truth because this does not come from God. Let's look in verse 15. But it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Now, we're going to do a healthy word study at the end, so I don't want us to get too bogged down. But let me just uh, kind of, uh, uh, kind of uh, brush past this quickly so that you at least get an understanding. Earthly means that which is limited to the earth. These ideas, these methods that's limited to the earth. Unspiritual means base or feral or animalistic. It's limited to the flesh. So this counterfeit wisdom is limited to the earth. It's limited to the flesh and it's demonic. It's the same influence that Satan and his demons subscribe to when they fell and were cast down from heaven. It's that same fallen system that they adhere to today. And so it's in contrast to true wisdom that comes from above. Verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. So that when you operate this way, you cause disorder. It literally means chaos. And you open the door for all kinds of evil. Now you might say, well, how does this work? And I don't want to get too elementary, but I think even though it's obvious, I should share this. When you operate in a self-centered desire for popularity, like in ver- like what verse fourteen says, you open yourself up to evil. You open yourself up to malice, and you open yourself up to manipulation. You uh, you gossip, you slander, so that you can keep your popularity or so that you can become more popular. When you operate in the selfish ambition for power, you. You stop people or silence people um, through extortion or murder. You cover things up because you don't want to be found out and lose that power. You may embezzle money so that uh, you can keep that power and continue with what you're doing. You see, it's, it's a door that's open to all kinds of evil. When you operate in self-gratification of pleasure, you begin to lust And you begin to become sexually addicted to things. And that could lead to sexual assault. And it can lead to, of course, sexual crimes. You see, false wisdom uh, is a motivation that opens up a Pandora's box of sin. And that's why James is telling us, test your hearts. Examine your life. Check your motives. The third exhortation is that wisdom manifests itself in characteristics, right? Do wisdom, right? Um, sorry, I got to look back. Uh, it says do wisdom, check wisdom, and it says live wisdom. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, I want us to stop right there. I want you to notice that this wisdom comes from God And so we have to look at the key that unlocks genuine wisdom in our lives. James doesn't outrightly say this, but of course, it's in the wisdom literature. The Jewish audience would understand it. And I think it's very important that we talk about this. And that is the fear of the Lord. Now, in Psalm 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. In Proverbs 9 and verse 10, it repeats the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, in our contemporary culture, we hear the word fear, and we think of terror, or horror, or dread. We become anxious, don't we? And so we misunderstand the fear of the Lord to mean that we are afraid to approach God. But we see in Scripture how the Bible tells us that we can boldly come before the throne of grace, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so fear of the Lord doesn't actually mean uh, terror or horror or dread. In the Jewish mindset, the fear of the Lord meant awe. And that's what it is. It's a relationship of awe where we see God as the sovereign, sovereign, uh, all-knowing, ever-present, completely powerful, a never-changing God who desires a close relationship with you. And when we have that and when we know that, it creates awe in our lives, doesn't it? It creates gratitude and excitement. It creates curiousness. It makes us teachable, right? It makes us careful in the things that we do. The fear of the Lord is living in awe with the mindset that this awesome God desires to be in close relationship with you. Now imagine that. Imagine how when we live in that light, when we live in light of that amazing truth, how it will transform our lives. And over against that, the Bible says that the foolish person has said in his heart, there is no God. He lives like there is no God. He has no awe of God. His awe is on himself and that's what makes him a fool. But we, we live in the fear of the Lord, and that's what brings great wisdom. So what are the characteristics that come from genuine wisdom? Let's look in verse 17. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Now, here are eight of them, okay? And I know it's a lot, but let me just go through them quickly because I think it'll be a help to us. These are the characteristics that we need to live in our lives. First of all, it is pure. Now, I want you to notice that this is set apart from all of the others. James is showing us the motive of wisdom must be pure. And it stands in stark contrast to the false wisdom's motivations of bitter envy and selfish ambition. And what this uh, means is, it means that it's very, um, it, it's very sincere when approaching God, and it's accepted by God. Now, from that, other characteristics spring out. Number two, it's peace-loving. This means that it, is, it has to do with right relationships. In verse 18, it says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness, Now, it has a picture of this idea of righteousness and it being a great harvest, okay? When peacemakers sow in peace, they reap right relationships. You see, God's wisdom is not divisive or contentious or quarrelsome or hostile. Rather, it brings people into a right relationship with each other and also with God. Another one is considerate. Now, when I was studying this, um, I was studying from one of my favorite commentaries. And William Barclay, the commentator, says that out of all Greek words in the New Testament, this word is the most untranslatable. And so it means great power under constraint. It has the idea of a wild animal that has just been tamed. Okay, So even though it's not as translatable, the idea is that this is gentle. Okay, consider it this idea of gentle. Let me give you a, Let me give you a little bit of an illustration. Uh, you know, I was watching ESPN e 60 and I was uh, watching about a rodeo bull named bodacious. Okay, and as I was watching this, I'm, you know, I'm not into the rodeo or anything, but I thought this was really interesting. This rodeo bull was so wild, so powerful that it was the number one killer of cowboys. And as I was watching this documentary, I saw footage where I swear this bull maimed this cowboy and it looked like it enjoyed it. It actually had human, uh, a human um, it seemed like human uh, features where it was just having a lot of fun. I mean, Bodacious was so out of control that there was no way that a person would feel safe riding it and no way that they could ride it. So they were talking about putting it down. As I watched this, I realized something. Bodacious was not a gentle animal. It is rather a very destructive animal. It uses its power to run over and plow through and overpower uh, others. Do you know what the difference is between a bull and an ox? Both are male, but the difference is that the bull has not been tamed. It's still wild. It still causes harm. Now, the ox has all the powers of a bull, But it has been tamed and it has been trained to be gentle. Do you get what I'm saying? James is talking about this. Our world is desperately looking for Christians who have spiritual power and have spiritual answers, but they're able to express it gently and graciously. You see, we have the power of the gospel. We have the truth of God's word, and it's able to transform the very world that we live in. How do we use this in people's lives? Are we gentle? Are we, the word that we're looking at, considerate? Now, number four means submissive. Or number four is the word submissive. It means easy to persuade. That submissive means it's flexible, it's teachable. That's willing to listen to the appeal of someone else. So that God's wisdom is not stubborn and rigid, but it's willing to yield and accommodate to others. The next characteristic is full of mercy. And I love this. As I was studying this, it means empathy for someone who is in trouble, even when it's their own fault that they're in trouble. Now, I, I started thinking about this. I have great empathy. I'm an uh, empathetic individual, right? But when it's that person's fault, right, that that person is in trouble or that person did something uh, to me or any, that's when my emotions and my empathy kind of stop. But here, the word means mercy to the extreme, that it emphasizes the feelings and emotions that you care for someone. And not only that, it's also full of good fruit. That means that there's practical help to it, that it's not not just feeling feelings, but it's also feeling them and then helping them, feeding them, clothing them, cleaning them, visiting them, letting them have money if they need it. You see, if mercy emphasizes the feeling, then this idea of good fruit emphasizes the action. Now, I want you to notice the contrast here. Verse 16 says, False wisdom produces disorder, which leads to a host of evils. But in verse 17, True wisdom produces mercy that leads to every good fruit. Isn't that beautiful? Number seven, means impartial or is impartial excuse me it means that god's wisdom doesn't show favoritism now pastor wilson preached a whole message on that in chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. so i won't trudge in there He did. he did so well i don't want to belabor the point but i want to say this did you notice that all these characteristics of wisdom happen within community it happens in daily life it's not in isolation it's not by ourselves. Again, I have to say, the idea that many of us have about wisdom that, is that it's some isolated, lone, wise person acquiring facts. And you know, when we talk about biblical wisdom, God meant for his wisdom, the wisdom from above, to be practiced among people. It's to be practiced for the benefit of others. You see, true wisdom is done in community. Do you see that? And then lastly... We see that wisdom is sincere. And it's the word, the Greek word Anhupocritas. Now I'm not one that usually throws around Greek because I'm not that smart to begin with, uh, and sometimes it's unnecessary. But I think this one's interesting. The word is Anhupokritas, and it literally means no masks. Okay? So in the ancient Greek world, when ancient Greek plays were done, either comedies or tragedies, the actors would wear masks when they played different roles, and so these actors who wore masks were called hypocrites, all right, mask wearers. Do you know where I'm getting? You know where I'm going with this? This is where we get the term, because hypocrite sounds a lot like what? Hypocrites, right? And that's really what a hypocrite was. It was an actor. It was somebody who was playing a part. And we use it today to mean a person who pretends to be one way but is really another, that they're actually playing a part, that it's not sincere, it's not who they really are. You see, the Bible tells us that God's wisdom is anhupocritas, It wears no masks, that a wise person is transparent, he's real, or she's not being an actor. You know, we've seen recently how many uh, leaders in Christianity have been hypocrites, have been hypocrites. And we see fall a fall of leaders almost by the month. And so our world is still desperately searching for the truth. It's desperately searching for real answers that Jesus and the gospel can give. But nothing causes people to become more discouraged and to walk away from the truth than the sin of hypocrisy and so Jesus and so James tells us excuse me that we need to be sincere. Let me say this. The life of the bird is in your hands. Wisdom is choosing. The exhortation today is do wisdom, check wisdom, live wisdom. Do wisdom, act on what you know as a Christian. Check wisdom, examine your motives and identify what you're operating on, live wisdom, live out these characteristics, not in isolation, but in community with others as you seek uh, others more than yourselves. And in so doing, the Bible tells us that you're going to live that successful life that's rich and full of meaning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you're working in in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we would desire the wisdom from above, that we would not be deceived into this worldly wisdom that's not really wisdom at all. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to work in our hearts, even now during this time of COVID, that we would seek ways in which we can build one another up and encourage one another and help one another uh, in this time. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a life that at the end we could say, that you could say, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen.